Welcome to the game. It's a beautiful thing. With Mark Duffy. The son of a darkened shearer and a self-described ball-playing jack of all trades. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? Who lit up footy fields in the southwest before becoming WA's preeminent AFL scribe. My goodness! And Glenn, Glenn Quarterman. Wow-wee! A proud Victorian parked permanently in the west who would have played 300 AFL games if not for his incredibly small hands. Goodness gracious me! Together they are Duff, Duff and Quarters. You know who? And this is your favourite footy, footy podcast. It's unbelievable! Yes, hello. It is Thursday. It is uh, the Thursday before round 12. It is the Thursday after the AFL mid-season rookie draft. And there's a bit to talk about today. We are brought to you by TabTouch. Those with the touch, you can better your bet and download the TabTouch app today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on 1-800-858-858 with any difficulties you have. I have with me in the studio the blind squirrel. Glenn Quartermain is uh, with us. He's ready to make a bold prediction about this weekend's fixtures. Almost. He's almost going to make a bold prediction about this weekend's fixtures. Quarters, how are you? I'm good, Duff, and you? I'm well, thank you. Blind squirrels have faith. Blind squirrels find acorns, They do find acorns. (laughs) I was looking for an acorn, (laughs) but I I just quite... You couldn't find one in round 12? Oh, I went close. I have gone very close to picking the Eagles this week. Have you? I've gone so close. My, my pen, what stopped you? Just the form, their, um, their want to play for each other. Uh, dare I say it, do they need to win games of football at the moment? Um, that's a euphemism. Um, for? Uh, well, uh, list management. List management. Yeah. Season management. List ma- yes, and if you're a little kid, you'll probably watch that cartoon Thomas the Tank Engine too. <laughs> um, I can't pick them at the moment on form. And, you know, to be fair, Adelaide, they got beaten by 42 by Geelong in Geelong. And I thought they played okay. The week before, they were pretty good against St Kilda. So I think Adelaide, if you look at the Eagles on paper, the teams haven't been picked yet. But when they are, a lot more experience, mate. So they've got it. they should find a way. They, on paper, they should win this game. But I can't pick them. But I'd love to. On paper's irrelevant now with West Coast, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, it just there is too much, I think, for too long where the names on paper haven't represented the performance and output. Well, let's talk about that this morning. Um, well, McGovern's earth, right, but J.K. and McGovern got on the plane, uh, and we know Hearn's coming back. So there's three, two begins and one. Who was in some doubt? Who's going? It looks like they're going to play. Yeah, I, I still look. You know, the, the stone cold fact with West Coast is that West Coast could be ten goals better and still lose. Mm. That's that's why I can't pick them this that, week. That's how bad it's gotten. And if you look at it, and, we'll, and these stats have been reeled out at nauseam this week, but I'll reel them out again. Um, sorry, Eagle supporters, uh, turn off or look away right now. And if you if you're under twelve, um, it's probably. Parental guidance is required here. But eight in a row will equal their eight losses in a row, should they lose to Adelaide tomorrow, will equal their on Saturday, sorry, should equal would equal their worst losing sequence. Yeah. Uh, two thousand and one. But if they manage to lose eight in a row by fifty plus, which is which 
they will do if they lose by 50 plus at the weekend. That is the worst performance ever by a team in VFL AFL history, which takes us back to 1897. Yeah, no, so they're they're sobering stats indeed. It's it's dire. It's it's as dire as it gets. And this right now is the worst Eagles team I've ever seen. Yeah, it is. It's the worst AFL team I've ever seen. Mm. Um, and that includes Fitzroy. That includes Fitzroy in Sydney in '93. And we've already done the figures on Fremantle in 2001. And probably GWS in their first two seasons didn't win much football either, you know. So, but it's just, it's got to this situation now that something has to, I mean, they can't play out the final second half of this season in the same frame. No way. No, that's right. They have to get better. They have to get better. It's not acceptable. It's been unacceptable for a couple of weeks now. We all understand the issues earlier in the season. But the names on paper are better than the performances. And what's more, some of the efforts are just unacceptable. Now, uh, before we get on to the mid-season draft, some interesting selections there we can talk about. Uh, Frio, Longmuir this morning, defending the decision to play Nat Fife in the waffle. So Wayne Carey has come off the long run all the way from Victoria uh, to put his two bobs worth in. Says it's a ridiculous decision to play through the waffle. I like the decision to play him in the waffle in hindsight. I think they can, they've got that luxury at the moment and I think they owe it to him to get him, condition him to play a game in the waffle, play against Hawthorne next week, then have the bye and then you're set up for the uh, run home. Gee whiz, I tell you what, there's damned if you do and damned if you don't yeah. in footy, isn't it? So on one side of town, we got West Coast, who rushed players back from injury last year, and we said, well, you can't do that. And then on the other side of town, you've got Fremantle, who decide, no, no, we will play this guy in the waffle and try and make sure he's ready. Now It's because it's Fife, though. This is a superstar player, dual Brownlow medalist. He waltzes into that team. And if they're in a predicament, he'd play. But they've got the luxury of, of um, building him up, I think. Yeah, look, I would have played him in the AFL. Mm. I, that, that's just me. Um, but I was told by Nathan Fife's manager, Jason Dover, last week, Nathan was completely open to playing in the mm. waffle um, and, and basically was accepting of that idea. And if he's accepting of it, then I think you do it that way. You don't. The, the point being is that he has missed a lot of footy. So he missed the end of last season. Ten months since he's played. Yeah, so that's a lot of footy to miss. Now, you could bring him in, and, and the, other, the other point to make is that he's not playing full game time. So we're looking at a player who's probably going to be at um, 80 or 90 minutes. Now, is that enough to bring him into the, the AFL team? You've got to remember that David Mundy's out there already playing managed minutes because he's old. Um, so you could compromise yourself. This is a big game for Fremantle, and if I'm Fremantle, I'm going with the mob that had the big win last week. I agree. Week. Yeah, I, I agree. So Fife to come in, should there be another in? Tex Walker. Well, not this week, Glenn. <laughs> no, he'll be playing for <laughs> Not Adelaide. even you can uh, arrange that. I oh, know. Well, great column from Paul Hasby this morning. Thought-provoking in the West Australian. I like it. Tex Walker to Fremantle next year. For he, two years. For yeah. two years would absolutely give them another dimension in that forward line. He's a terrific player. He's 31. He gets... A premiership window. I like it. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm not um, diametrically opposed to it. I understand the, the reasons why you would do it. What I would say, though, is that I think Fremantle has learnt to head in a different direction than going old and hopeful. But this is just one. This is just one play. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's not like it's across the board. This is one player who can actually um, prize that window open a little bit more, I reckon, with what he could add. So what needs to happen here for this to be viable? Well, he's a free agent. And nothing. They don't. They lose nothing except a, a no, spot no, on no. their I, list. No, no, no. I understand that. Oh. I understand that. I'm talking about if Rory Lobb stays, does Fremantle well, that's, need Tex y- Walker? There's the other question. They probably don't. So that's probably the key. If Matt Taberner has a really strong finish to the season, does Fremantle need Tex Walker? Matt Taberner. It's an option worth keeping open, I think. Yeah. Um, and it, we know that from Texas' position in Adelaide, he wants to play on. But yep. there's no contract on the table for him as yet. The one proviso would be, you'd talk to your Indigenous players at Frio because we know what Tex went through last year yep. with his racist comments. He's been through it. We give him a second chance. He looks looks like he wants to redeem himself. So I'm okay with it. But I think you would have to run it past your Indigenous players in all your list, in fact. Very much so. Mm. Very much so. I think that's that's the box you absolutely have to tick before you go down that path. You don't want to upset the apple cart. Um, look... I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go out there tomorrow and write a column and say, you know, what a load of rubbish. I would say that I think what Fremantle has learnt in the last two or three years is that there's a lot to be gained by going young and uh, and looking to build depth of talent. Now, whether or not they get to a point where they go, actually, you know what, we can, um, we can benefit from bringing in the older guy. Maybe we think we're in the premiership window. That's fine. Um, but... I do think they've they've profited from taking a different path to that. Speaking of going older versus going younger, the mid-season rookie draft. First of all, before we get into it, I have no issue with what West Coast and Fremantle did with their picks. Mm. Um, Jai Cully, I think, was the obvious number one pick. He was touted as that by most people watching on in this draft. The people I spoke to had him in the top 25 if he went through to the national draft. So if you're West Coast and you're trying to get the equivalent of those four or five top 30 picks at the national draft, this is a great way to kick-start that process and get a rolling a rolling start on the rebuild, if you like. So, yeah, that's a box tick for me. The fact that he's a goal-kicking, yeah. hard-running mid, and yeah. he turns left and he's a big body, yep. that also ticks a number of other boxes for me at West Coast. And I do like um, the punt that Fremantle took on Sabet Kweck. Mm. Um, when you look at his highlights package, there's clearly enormous upside there. He's very athletic. He's a great size, although... He was listed in the draft literature as 195. and 199. Free, Fremantle had him listed at 199. So there's a bit of a... It's amazing how rubbery these figures mm, on height get. They can they? be. Um, and the other one, of course, that I think Fremantle would have taken had he been available was Wade Dirksen, but he didn't get through mm. to him. So it was good to see him get his opportunity. Absolutely. Um, and the other couple WA of, boy, Bryn Teekel, got his opportunity as well at um, go to Port. Port Adelaide. Port yeah. Adelaide. Disappointed to see a couple miss out again. Bailey Rogers, uh, Florenka... I don't know what more they have to do. It's disappointing. So this is my point in the column I wrote today. If you're Bailey Rogers, you have basically ticked every box on a second-tier player's resume. You've been the best player in the competition as a midfielder. He won the Sandover last year. You've been a lockdown defender at state level. He was the go-to lockdown defensive mid-sized defender in state games for two or three years when he was playing that role for Claremont. This year they sent him forward because their forwards weren't stumping up against South Australia. He kicked three goals as a forward. That's in a state game. So you've done all that. You've gone out last weekend. You've had 36 disposals against a 
um, AFL aligned midfield where all but a couple of the players in that midfield have had AFL experience and you've had 36 disposals and while your team lost you were probably pretty close to the best player on the ground so without actually playing at the level he can't do any more to prove that he can does play does he need level. to move to the VFL no get under their nose no no I think they just need to pay he more attention he shouldn't yeah but they're not yeah clearly so does he have to get right under their nose? You've got two options here, and they've overlooked him. And the yeah. other one, let's not also forget Jake Florenka. No. So Jake Florenka plays one AFL game. And was good. Was probably in West Coast best six players that night against Brisbane at the Gabba. He has 13 contested possessions, nine of them in the first quarter, before he gets a bit gassed because he's mm. had a waffle preparation, not an AFL preparation. They're both 25 years old. You know what happens here, Quarters? This is what happens, is that because... From time to time, an absolute gem gets picked up late in an AFL draft, like a Lockie Neal, who was a pick in the 50s, like a Michael Walters, who was a pick in the 50s, like a Jeremy McGovern, who was a rookie-listed mm. player. So every now and again, there's a player like that looming down the pecking order in a draft. Hasn't been identified yet, or maybe has been identified one club by one club. You don't want to be the recruiter who overlooks that guy to get a rock-solid, middle-of-the-road 25-year-old because then you get reamed by your club because they say, how the hell did you miss this guy? Yeah, I just with the mid-season rookie draft, though, I think the opportunity is there to trial these guys. I just don't see that the risk is there for this draft. I think more so in the national draft. So I think if you want that to be the philosophy, and I think when we were introduced to the mid-season rookie draft, that was the philosophy... I think if you want that philosophy to hold up, you're going to have to put age stipulations on mid-season rookie draft picks. So, in other words, they have to be over mm. 22, something like that. So, even a Sabet Quek and Wade Dirksen, who are not you know, 17, 18-year-olds, even they are too young to get picked up. Mm. And they go into the pool for the national it's disappointing draft. for them, but I actually like the, that theory. Yeah, I do too. It gives them the opportunity. I like... I like I want the mid-season rookie draft to be about Marlon Pickett and about Matthew Parker and about, if there'd been a mid-season rookie draft, about Tim Kelly. Maybe even about Liam Ryan, when Liam Ryan was picked mm. up by West Coast. Um, about a Matt Prittis. Um, these guys. That's what I want it to be about. But like everything else, AFL clubs will look at it and go, how do we make some ground on the competition here? If I'm West Coast, I'm absolutely doing what West Coast has done under the, the current rules because, let's face it, this kid could have been a back-end first-rounder at the national draft, so therefore you take him in the mid-season draft. Mm. Um, and Fremantle, 199 centimetres. you seen his highlight package? It's a bit quick. Yeah, I have. It's a pretty good highlight yeah, it package. Is. It is, yeah. Um, you know, if you've got access to that guy, you take that guy. It's a great story too. Last night goes to train with East Perth, Leaderville Oval. I don't expect to get drunk. He'd spoken to Frio, but I don't expect to get picked up and just trained, happily training at waffle level and the waffle trainers knew he'd been selected. Didn't tell him till afterwards. It's a great story, isn't it? Uh, the backstory to the family. Um, we're in a refugee camp in Kenya, South Sudanese by origin. Uh, I just love the story. Um, we've seen a lot of the African footballers of, of origin come into the competition and play so well. Um, 
that I'm looking forward to seeing him in Doctors Colours. Had his first session today, actually, so good good on him. Jai Cully, too. Love the story. Tell you what, from Long Warren. Which charcoal is, chicken. Charcoal Warren. chicken and Coles had two jobs. Now, that impresses me. Yep. Holding down two jobs while playing for the Dandenong Stingrays. Duff, about six weeks ago, I had about half an hour at Dandenong Station. Did you? Yeah. And you lived? Well, I can tell you two things. One, if there wasn't a police presence there, I would have been mugged. I was actually standing outside the station with a bright orange suitcase. Couldn't have been more outstanding or colourful, waiting for my mate to pick me up. Holding that in your I very was, small It was actually hands. really scary. It was scary. Right. and Yeah. And um, I said to my mate when he picked me up, um, got, thank God you got here. Another five minutes, I would have had a neck tattoo and a meth habit. But anyway, I, uh, I, I live to tell the story. So a kid from that environment that's working two jobs, mm-hmm. apparently... At the end of last season, he was playing basically mid-sized forward last season because he didn't have the tank to be a midfielder. He got some feedback from them. This is why you didn't get drafted. This is why we couldn't play you in the midfield. Goes away, Mm. does the work, takes it upon himself to do all that stuff, comes back as one of the standout goal-kicking mids in the competition he's playing in. I think that says... That speaks volumes for him. Does. And that probably tells you that West Coast have probably got a good one. Yep. I reckon. And good luck to him. I believe he's done a presser this morning in Melbourne. I believe he's going to be catching up with the Eagles in Adelaide. He goes to Adelaide. And then yep. play a game, play play some waffle, and then try and work his way into the side. I'd love to see him in the second half of the year. I'd love to we see probably him. probably will. Drop him in there this oh, weekend. Oh, this weekend? Yeah. Well, well, he's up for it. You know what I liked about him? You know you got a good one. He wasn't just stoked. He wasn't even just fully stoked. Was he? He was something else stoked with an F in front of it. <laughs> so you know you you know your surfy types when they say they're stoked, not enough for me. Yeah. That's just that's just random. That's just run of the mill stoked. Well wouldn't but the fully stoked is what you're after. But if you have an effing stoked, I think that he's up for it. That would be the Lang Warren Dandenong version of Stokes. Though, oh, it yeah, must have. Yeah, yeah. I'd say there'd be a few. Um, uh, there'd be a few sets of DBs down there. Um, a few of uh, some moccasins, duffel coats, probably a bit of flannelette, and maybe even some old mohair jumpers. I reckon you'd find down there. I've spent a bit of time down that part of the world, down in Gippsland. Yeah, mm, very nice part of the world. Very cold part of the world. Oh yeah. Yeah, but anyway, um, so good luck to, the, to those two players. Um, we, we look forward to seeing them contribute in the second half of the year. Probably uh, Sabit Kuek, he'll have his work cut out to break into that Fremantle side. But I like where they've gone there with that forward. Yeah. I like what they've done there. So probably another chance that reason that Tex might not end up there. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he does, what he can do between now and the end of the year. Clearly there's a bit of physical development to go on there. He's very rangy, long levers. Um, you'd run the risk of maybe, you know, a knee injury or something like that if you introduce him too soon. But turns on a dime, lightning quick, can jump, kicks a long goal, has great evasion. For a guy that size, that's what comes through mm. in the highlights package for me. So, yeah, excited to see what he can do. Bef- um, before we go on, um, just a shout-out to Peter Matera. Out of the hospital. great West Coast champion who is out of hospital today um, in pretty good health. So, um, rapt to see him out, come out with his family, go back to the farm. I think he needs a little bit more um, <coughs> surgery, but... Uh, looks like he's he's in he's in pretty good shape, so we're at, um, gladdens the heart to see that. Well done, Rue. That noise in the background that was an acorn falling off the tree. The blind squirrel was quickly onto it's a bit that. Bit late. Got his small it's hands wrapped late. around it. It's a bit late. It's a week. 
All right. Um, Buddy Franklin. Deserve the week, got the week. Yeah. You, you, you appeal it because you can now. Yeah, geez, they There's waste no disincentive to appeal. I know, but they waste some time, don't they? Did they waste. Yeah, it was all. I mean, we all saw the footage. We all saw what it's happened. A bit of language about it, though. Geez, with, with the AFL advocate, gutless, cowardly. That hasn't uh, washed well on the Sydney players. Papley's come out and swinging today, but um, look, it was it was there. It was clearly there. So he just copped the week. He deserved the week. He's a bit vitriolic. That AFL. Was that the same guy that did the um, Switkowski one? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was a bit over the Likes top. the flowery language. Yeah. It's a good stage, isn't florid. it? Florid. Yes, florid. It's a good stage, isn't it, to show yeah. your wares? I mean, I think, viewed in context, um, Cochin had blocked Franklin, or body-checked him, they say. He'd done it off the ball a couple of times when Buddy was trying to surge inside attacking 50. He'd done it once when Buddy wasn't looking, so Buddy sort of ran into him and copped the brunt of Cochin's shoulder in the chest, and that kind of like you could see Buddy... It stunned him a bit, and mm. and Buddy's gone, here, have some of this. I mate. don't think he likes him too much. And if you're after a week's rest and you look at him and he's blocked you and you look at him and you and you think, yeah, I'll have a week off, bang. <laughs> I reckon <laughs> there might have been a bit of that in it. It was an open hand, but it was a pretty firm. Oh, it was a very open firm. Hand. When you see Cochin's head snap around, mm. it's, uh, yeah. You're quite, happy with the week, I take it? Yeah. yeah that's a week every day mm. of the week. When I, when I heard they were appealing, I'm going, this is just the absolute evidence of how um, AFL clubs roll the dice on this. Um, does this money get included in the football soft cap? With what, sorry? With the, With the money it costs you to pay the QC um, to mount the challenge. That's a very good question. I can't answer that. Because I would think not. Well, it should be, shouldn't it? Why? Well, because it's footy. Yeah, I suppose there's, the, there's some sort of a disincentive if you're worried about the soft cap. But. Because let's face it, we've all seen what he's done. We've all seen the contact of the head, and a week is a perfectly reasonable assertion to make. Like let's let's have the only guys going to the AFL tribunal being the ones where it's marginal. Yeah, this wasn't marginal. Yeah, that's true. I didn't. I never liked the system where you double your penalty. Though I just didn't like it. That was a bit Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I don't know. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I might be a bit more punitive than you. Not if you got four. <laughs> Uh, should we pick some winners? All right. Given we've got quite a few emails to get through this week. Let's do our best. Friday night, Marvel Stadium Duff. Are they back, the Western Bulldogs, in taking on Geelong? Um, I'm going to go with the Cats in this, and but I'm going to do it um, without a lot of conviction. So <clears throat> the Doggies will actually go into this $1.75 favourites. Geelong are $2.08 outsiders. Um, the Doggies did have the 100-point win last week, but they were playing the Witches' Hats. So I don't know how much you read into that. Having said that, West Coast has played a few teams into form um, this year. They played Port Adelaide into form. I think Port Adelaide went on a four-game winning streak. Fremantle went on a six-game winning streak. Um, there was a couple of others as well that got going after they played West Coast. Um, I'm one strong performance away from being convinced about the dogs, so I'm going with the Cats. player who's caught my eye for the dogs this year too is Ed Richards, uh, playing yeah. really well as, as an intercept defender. And, gee, when you look, he looks like Lou, doesn't he? Because, of course, he is the grand um, son of Lou Richards, I believe. He is. Um, 
very, very good player. Had a tough year last year, was injured early in the season, then couldn't fight his way back into the team late when the team was going well, he's really taken well. his opportunity this year. I'm going to go with the dogs in this game. I uh, Luke Beveridge this morning has come out and said he suspects there are signs there for him that they're back in form and confidence. I agree with him. I, I like what I saw last week. I've liked the build in recent weeks, and it's at Marvel. So I'm going with the dogs. So given... Tim English's efforts against West Coast last week and Givens Geelong's... It was the perfect game for Tim English to come back, wasn't it? Vulnerability in the ruck. Yeah. Um, Why know. have Geelong not addressed this? I mean, yes, they got um, um, from Hawthorne. Gee, I've forgotten him already. He's left Hawthorne. Segler, Johnny Segler. Johnny Segler, who's been injured this year. But, you know, I think they need... That physical presence in the ruck, which is what they've lacked. I don't so they know need what, what a, a Sean Darcy, Toby Nankervis type. They need a Shane Mumford, who they got rid of in very early days, actually. But they need. So that should sh- they go after a Lloyd Meek? Hundred percent. That's what they need. Why have they not addressed this, Duff? This is the very thing that's probably going to cost them a flag in this window. Yeah, I don't know. This year that. they're probably not in that chop up, I believe. But last year they certainly were. The year before, I don't know. It's food for thought, but not not for me. So Shannon Neal, the young South Fremantle boy, played last weekend. There are other guys that have been in and out of the team. Mm. They had Darcy Fort there. They let him go. He's mm. since played senior been footy good, at yeah. Brisbane. So you have to wonder about their judgment with that. Yeah, they haven't got that ruck roll right at all. It's funny that the Cats get so much else right. Yeah, isn't it? It's just that one role. It, it, it lends you to believe. Do they not rate this role? Maybe they don't. Well, you should. Yeah. Don't forget they have Tommy Hawkins to ruck in the forward line, so maybe that dilutes the importance of it Mm. a little bit. Adelaide versus West Coast at Adelaide Oval. Adelaide is $1.11. West Coast is $6.75. Cue the music. Nostradamus, Blind Squirrel, about to make the big tip. Well, I've made it already. I'm picking Adelaide. Uh, I just can't... Six bucks, though. Jeez, it's worth thinking about. Although, gamble responsibly, please. Don't put your house on the six bucks. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's worth, it. it's worth a little nibble on a little acorn, I can tell you. Can't pick them, Adelaide. Yeah, no, you, there's nothing in West Coast form line to recommend them on this. Um, I've got, got a no, good record in Adelaide. I've got no doubt that West Coast will surprise us at some point in the back half of the season and win one or two games. But uh, when you're as bad as they've been, uh, it's Adelaide for me. Adelaide have been pretty solid, apart from a couple of weeks when they've been beaten up. You know, they were disappointing against GWS. I think there was another week, uh, might have been in a game in Melbourne, maybe against Collingwood, I think it might have been. Um, they got beaten up in that one as well. But apart from that, they've been at least as good as what we expected. And the last game. couple of weeks, their metrics have been good. I, I think they're, they're not, their form's been okay, Yeah, as opposed to West Coast. Uh, Gold Coast v North Melbourne, Saturday, TIO Stadium. Back-to-backs at TIA for Gold Coast. So clearly the AFL is trying to bed Gold Coast down there a little bit as that second market. Played the ground really, really well again. Smashed Hawthorne last week in every area. Played it really well last week. So they're a dollar eight. Well... North yeah, it's Melbourne short $8. for Gold Coast, but and but that's not for North. I, I mean, I'm going to I'd pick Gold Coast to beat North in Melbourne at the moment. So I'm certainly going to pick them to beat them in Darwin. They know the conditions. It's going to be greasy. Um, the only thing is, it could bring if North if North shows something. I showed a bit last week. Yeah. If they show a bit, they can. And in the if the conditions turn a bit ugly, there'll be a chance. But Gold Coast for me, pretty comfortably. Yeah, Gold Coast pretty comfortably for me. Tell me this: Can Gold Coast play finals? Yeah, absolutely. I picked them finish last too. Do you expect them to play finals? No, but they can. 
I expect them to fall away at some point, but at the moment, um, geez, they're they're in the mix. I reckon that's the blind squirrel sitting on fence with splinters in its back. They're only four. They're only a game. They're only a game. It's significant percentage, but only a game out of the out of the eight at the moment. Yeah, no, I, I'm not sure I'm ready to tip them to play finals, but I think they actually can now. You know, squirrels are really cute little creatures, don't you? I do. Have you yeah. ever seen them up close? Yes. Oh, they're lovely. Yes. Look very playful. Beautiful. Impish. Yes. In fact. Mm. Yes. Very good. Um, Gold Coast comfortably for me. Melbourne versus Sydney. Melbourne are a dollar twenty-five. Sydney are four dollars. Have Fremantle unlocked Melbourne for the rest of the competition, or was last week a bit of an anomaly? I don't think they've unlocked them. They've given opposition teams a view to how you can beat them. Well, for, for starters, you tag Clayton Oliver. Is it a road map or a mud map? I think it's a off-road map. Does that make sense? Not a mud map. Somewhere between a mud map and yeah, a road map. Yeah, I think so. I think it gives you a guide. But Melbourne is so well drilled. They are, play so well with each other. I think they'll win this game, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not picking Sydney in this game. I think Melbourne won't lose two in a row. They'll bounce back. Uh, they were due to lose a game. And you could see, even though they were shifting through the gears and winning comfortably, they were just due. I don't think the gloss will do them any harm whatsoever. And I think they'll be ready to bounce back this yeah, week. Yeah, no, I'm going to go for There'll the There'll be deep. no Stephen May, of course. No, but they get a few back. Tomlinson comes back. Look, Tomlinson comes back to replace May. I think they're looking at Harms. I think Harms comes back as well. Was Langdon going to get up for this? Yeah, Maybe. I think he might be. And, of course, nobody, Franklin, for Sydney. Yeah, yeah. So hard to see how the Swans get it done. All right, Hawthorne versus Collingwood. Hawthorne are $1.52. Uh, so Collingwood are $1.52. Yeah. Hawthorne, $2.55. Quarters, your boys need to show something after last yeah, week. Yeah, but we will show something because it's the second week of the cycle. Right. So we either play well, we play well the week before, beat Brisbane in uh, Hobart, in, sorry, in Launceston. Last week was a shocker up at TIO in Darwin. So they're due. Problem with Hawthorne is they can't get the four quarters done. One factor this week may be it's a big milestone game, so a double milestone. So Liam Shields and Luke Bruce both play their 250th games for Came Hawthorne. Came through together. They did. Isn't and that it's amazing? A, it's a great story. They've both been great servants of Hawthorne. Bruce, f- deadly accurate. He's a brilliant in that forward line and occasionally through the middle. And, of course, Liam Shields has been a tackling machine and a great servant, a very underrated servant of Hawthorne throughout their premiership, you know, their triple premiership era. Um, the problem with that is you've got to pull the kids along with you. And there's a lot of kids in that Hawthorne side. Not only do they struggle week to week, but they struggle to get four quarters out of them. Like where my boys are going, but can't pick them in this game. The only other caveat I'll put in there is that the Pies coming off a big win. Big win. Uh, Carlton, 80,000 at the G, just might it's just some, a little ray of hope there for Hawthorne. A bit of bathwater being drunk during the week, do you think? I don't think they no, I'm not sure if that's the case. I'm not in the four worlds, so I don't know, but after big wins like that, you can. Yeah. I'm going to tell By the way, have you ever drunk bathwater? Uh, no. Not very nice. Never been tempted to either, I have to say. Accidentally, of course, but yeah. Yes. No, um, I'm going to tip the pies. I think that um, I agree there's hope for Hawthorne in this game. I just, on form, you have to reward Collingwood for what they did last weekend, and you certainly can't reward Hawthorne for what they did last weekend. No. Now, boy, oh boy, last game of the fixture. So Fremantle versus Brisbane, the twilight fixture on Sunday at Optus Stadium. 
Fremantle are a dollar seventy-three. Uh, Brisbane are two dollars ten. I think that's about right, as long as it's dry. Yeah, if it's wet, <laughs> bit bit worried if it's wet. Yes. What is the forecast? I should have looked. I haven't. I don't know. I'll have a look now. Our producer Shannon will look while we're speaking. Intriguing this game. Of course, we've got the number one defensive team Fremantle against the number one attacking team in Brisbane. Uh, Luke Ryan was asked on radio on six PR this morning, Duff, about. Um, should we tag Lockie Neal? He said, I'm not sure what we're going to do, but I hope we don't. I'd like us to go head-to-head. Um, the forecast is for... Um, Partly cloudy, very light chance of rain. 5% chance of rain, a maximum 19. Lovely. I'll bet Fremantle's been paying a lot of attention to the weather <laughs> forecast in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, look, I'm going to pick Freo. Uh, I think last week will do a lot for their confidence. It's a travel game for Brisbane. The, the, if it was at the Gabba, I'd pick Brisbane. The thing about it is I haven't been overly impressed with Brisbane the last few weeks. I think they're going through that um, that struggle patch you get, you know, in that middle of the year where it gets all gets a bit hard. They've still managed to win a game and lose a game in that patch, but I'm just thinking they're a little bit off the bit at the moment. And Frio playing really, really good football. Yeah, I think this is a venue game, isn't it? If it's at the Gabba, you pick Brisbane. If it's in Perth, you pick Fremantle. Um, I'll tell you what will happen. If you're thinking of trying to get on Fremantle for the flag while they're still a bit of a smoky, you do it now. Because if they beat Brisbane... They'll be in single figures. The lid will be off. Oh, that Next week. I can just see Justin Longmuir with his foot firmly on that, that jar, trying to keep the lid on. I tell you what, if they win this, they'll have beaten one and two, as well as that game against Geelong, in Geelong. That lid will come out, mate. So That'll they have the off. best record in the competition against teams in the top eight. They are at, they've played four times for a 3-1, three, one, three mm. and one. That's the best record in the competition. I think Melbourne's had a bit of a soft draw, so they... I think they might be two and one. So basically, the, their opportunity to beat top eight hasn't been there. Um, and a few of the others, a bit surprising, not so good against top eight opposition. So that, that bodes well for Fremantle. Um, if they can stop Brisbane from scoring the best offence in the comp, uh, look out. I think people will start paying very close attention to what they're doing. Uh, Brisbane have uh, dangled a five-year contract in front of Daniel McStay, by the way, just for anyone who's interested, because, of course, he would be very much a target of a few clubs. So let's say Daniel McStay decides to be Daniel... McStay's. Well, let's say he becomes Daniel McGo. Who would be the club who could benefit most from Daniel McStay? Western Bulldogs. I think Frio could, depending on how their youngsters develop. Uh, I think that would be just about any club, to be honest. He's that great third forward. Yeah. Might be the most important forward in many ways at Brisbane. Yeah. He's a post-up. He's he? fantastic. Yeah. He gives he's a not fantastic. Thing. No, but in the role he plays, he's fantastic. I think he's an okay second and a really, really good third forward. Yeah, yeah. I think that's... And so you know, important to their structure, though. You know, the other thing about Daniel McStay that he's underrated is that Daniel McStay can play down back mm. as well. He's actually spent time down back. So, therefore, if you needed to... You could send him to the other end. Um, yeah, I think he has value. It's probably, well, clearly he has value to Brisbane because they don't offer everyone a five-year deal. Now, does Aish go straight to Neil or you give him the first half? And just be aware he's there. Obviously, you've got to play two ways. But do you lock down straight away or do you wait? I wait. Yeah, I Back think... yourself. I think, and I'm, I'm half predicting the way Fremantle will go there as opposed to the way I would go. I would wait and see how the game's panning out. Clearly, Lockie Neal's going to find footy, and clearly, Lockie Neal is going to be a good player for Brisbane. The question is, how is the game as a whole 
panning out for you? And um, are you going okay holistically? If it's turning against you, then you try and change it. But while it's panning out okay for you, I think you go with what you know. Is he contracted just this year or next year as well, Lockie? Lockie Neal. I think he's got this year and next year. Okay, it's fine. I was just going to be mischievous, that's all. You what? Could be his last game before he's back here in purple. He'll be back here in purple at some point. Yeah, it's a very hard trade to do, quarters. Mm. You can't free agency it. and You can't in two years? Uh, I'm not sure that you can. What? What is it? Is it seven years? Um, I'm not sure that you can. I'll have to look into Talking that. at the club or at your tenure? If I'm Fremantle, I can't trade for Lockie Neal. No. Because the price is greater than the reward. Yeah, but if you can trade him in for very little, you absolutely do it. Yeah, but if you're Brisbane, why are you letting him go for very little? Mm. I'm just not sure whether, whether he's going to be an unrestricted free agent or not, that's all. Yeah. I mean, look, if you can get him under free agency, yeah, you take him. But I'm not sure when he becomes a free agent in at Brisbane because don't forget he's only been there since 2000 and was it 2020 mm. or no 2019 I think it was 2019 so he this will be 2019 2020 2021 2022 that's four years I think it's still seven years isn't it I'm counting on my fingers at now. a club I think it's seven years at a club before you become available for free agency mm. there may be different conditions for mature ages but um I don't see him being back at Fremantle next year. Not next year, the year after. Right. Mm. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anyway, now it's time for this. Saddle up your camel. It's time for the Thirsty Camel Mailbag. Yes, thank you to Thirsty Camel. Thank you to Gage Roads. Albie Draft will be giving away a carton today. Please keep your emails coming. Please keep them short and tell us if you're from Western Australia or not. Some great ones here, some thought-provoking ones here, Duff. Uh, this one from Paul from Quedjanup. Quedjanup? There's been some discussion around the lack of fixtures for interstate clubs at the MCG. In an interview... Fagan, the Brisbane coach, said that he suspected it was economic, that the AFL needed bigger crowds to make it viable. Given Qantas is a sponsor, why doesn't the AFL initiate game packages for fans? In addition, is it naive to expect the AFL to stand up for interstate fans in September when price gouging occurs? I think there are packages, aren't there, with Qantas? Yeah, there are. But um, it's very difficult to fly to Melbourne regularly to see your team play. You it's might do very it, expensive. You might do it once or twice a year. I think it's more expensive now post-COVID, so hopefully that finds uh, a level again at some point over the Not next Not to mention if you do it with two or three kids. There appeared to be a good squadron of Fremantle people there on the weekend when they are playing the Ds. Still only a crowd of 29,000. So this is the problem. So it's, it's Melbourne's home ground. Fremantle wants at least one game at the MCG a year, preferably two or three. But 29,000 in a 100,000-seat stadium, that isn't stacking up economically. No, no. I'll tell you what, if you're a Frio fan, though, you'd be dining on that out on that forever. What a great weekend. Don't forget, so the flip side of this is if you have to come to Perth to play an AFL final against a WA-based club, the odds are you've only been there once that year. Maybe twice, but the odds are only mm. once. So there is a flip side to this. I know that... It's a bit different because the MCG is the nominated venue for the grand final. But I tend to think once you get there, it is on the day. And uh, if you play well enough, you win. 
This one from Sam King from Bibra Lake. Greetings, Duff and Quarters. Along with the Tim Kelly trade, the Eagles also brought in a number of experienced players during their premiership window. These include Alex Witherden, now 23 years old, Zach Langdon, now 26 years old, Sam Petrevsky-Seaton, now 24 years old. Do you see any of these players being part of the Eagles' rebuild going forward? Will any of them still be on the team in three years? Personally, I like the rebound Witherden brings. It also helps that he's the youngest. So, you know what I'd say about all of them, with the exception of Tim Kelly? Bailey Rogers is a better player than all of them. Okay. He's a better player than Sam Petreski-Seaton. Witherden? He's a better player than Witherden. He can play the role that Witherden plays, and he can also go midfield, and he can also go forward. Now, Sam Petreski-Seaton was a top 10 draft pick, but hasn't clearly measured up to potential. Um, They would have come through the juniors at Claremont together. Um, Bailey Rogers has become a better player than Sam Petreski-Seaton. Yeah, so they'll be losing Josh Kennedy. Well, they'll be losing probably Shannon Hearn. Um, Xavier O'Neill, his future? I think Dicey. Jackson Nelson? Dicey. Josh Rotham? Um, probably stay. They may put him up for trade. Uh, not entirely happy at the club, I'm told. Dicey? Yeah, well, which, which lends me to think that perhaps... Jake Waterman? Questionable? Yeah. Which lends me to think that these three players, though, may survive. Who As in Withered and Langdon and Petrovsky seaton So I keep Langdon. You know what? If you look at the ladder and you look at what the clubs up the top end have and what the clubs down the bottom end don't have, the clubs down the bottom end don't have pressure forwards. And this contributes to the way opposition teams are able to move the ball against you because there is not enough pressure on the ball carriers coming out of defence. And I think it's one of the reasons why West Coast gets sieved the way they do. It's because who were their pressure forwards? Liam Ryan has been, but hasn't been this year. Has been historically. Willie Rioli is not. Willie Rioli is most dangerous with ball in hand. Jamie Cripps' gut running is great, but um, particularly coming off a torn peck, not necessarily offering a lot in terms of pressure forward play. Perhaps a little bit more in recent weeks as he's regained confidence in the peck. Um, They could use that player. So... I think Zach Langdon, to me, is one that I would keep as a depth pressure forward. The others, I reckon, yeah, it's um, it's interesting. Jackson Nelson, I think, is a player who has been has gotten the most out of his ability and will be looked at at the end of the season and West Coast will ask, well, if we're trying to progress, do we progress with Jackson Nelson? You get the feeling there's a... A lot of players with the backpacks on walking at that, walking towards that crossroad. Well, they'll be walking on broken glass between now and the mm. end of the season, and they need to play well because not all of them will go, but not all of them will stay as well. This one from Dino from Tassie. G'day, Duffin Quarters. Uh, g'day, Dino from Tassie. How are you, mate? Will the AFL go back to releasing the full season's fixture and schedule next year? I'm trying to plan a trip to Melbourne, but it's difficult because round 23, the round 23 schedule hasn't been released. So I'm trying to work that around school and work and flights. Not knowing what day or time games are on makes it hard. Could this also be a reason why crowds are down? Possibly. I think we've seen the fixtures in drips, haven't we? Right now, we've got up to round 19. So they haven't released uh, the final four rounds at this stage. Um, it's all about, I think... What the AFL has flagged, they may continue with this stuff. Is that right? In terms of drip feeding the fixtures? Look, yeah, I, I think it has limited value. I think the upside is well and truly 
the Count, front. Counteracted by the downside. You, you, as in the marquee slots. Try and weaponise the marquee yeah. slots, yeah, with the, the best games. But it can vary so wildly from week to week. You know, a team that loses three or four players, suddenly what you thought was a marquee game ceases to be a marquee game. And the correspondence message is absolutely right. It does discourage people from planning and taking trips. Not all people can just down tools and go into state at the drop of a hat. Usually it's something that needs some planning some months in advance. Um, what I would say is that I think the major influence on crowds, it's not the state of the game. I think that's rubbish. It's just melodrama created by people looking for content. I think it is that people are still frightened of going out, particularly older people. I love this one. Um, can't get the carton because he's from Boston, USA, but I love it. Hi, gents. Cheers. I f- cheers. Yes, cheers. Well said. Yes. <laughs> I just got that. Hi, gents. I flew from the US to attend the Liverpool v Real Madrid Champions League final in Paris Saturday night and can say media reporting was pretty accurate. I saw fans tear gassed, mugged by local gangs, and even French police raised guns to groups who were at pre-agreed meeting points, waiting for friends exiting other parts of the stadium. I thought it worth sharing on an AFL podcast for two reasons. One, you don't really appreciate the fragility of large sporting events until Still attending one where everything goes wrong. And two, I came to be grateful about something very Australian that we take for granted. Our stadiums are built in the middle of our cities, walking distance from office precincts, unless you're the Gold Coast, Carrara, uh, and train stations, and often surrounded by multi-purpose parkland where every age group congregates. The Stade de France, in contrast, is surrounded by a lot of high-density poverty on the outskirts of Paris, and I feel like police were almost responding to the stereotype of the environment rather than fan behaviour. A great email, um, of and course. Particularly timely with what happened after well, the Carlton, Carlton Collingwood, Collingwood game. game and the Dreamtime game at yeah. the G. So we've seen a little bit of it creep into our game. Let's hope it's not. Uh, I have you, you, when you get the train from the airport to Paris, you do go past that stadium, and he's right; it is surrounded by. Uh, it's in an impoverished area. Should we? So let's say, for argument's sake, they're able to find those dickheads yep. on Punt Road punching on mm-hmm. and the blokes who kicked that bloke when he went to ground should we if we get them identified ban them ban them for life yep ban i'd be up for, for that yep ban them for life how do you police that have photos of them at every stadium yeah i love it yeah slap an afl ban on them if they can sneak in you know well they've sneaked in good but luck try, to you. try and yeah at least make them sweat when they're trying to sneak in and if they find them inside the stadium kick them out yeah, take them into some storeroom where there aren't any cameras before mm-hmm. they kick them out. Yeah, so. good call. Good call. This one from Daniel Till. And Daniel is from Albany. Uh, good part of the clearly world. Clearly an umpire, but I like this email too. Uh, this year the AFL has introduced the umpire descent law. What a difference this has made. I have only had to use it once in six games, although I have reminded players from time to time the rule exists. It is my experience that I am making better decisions as I do not have constant back chat making me doubt any previous decisions. I am able to focus on each contest and each play and do the job I am paid to do. I just wanted to note that the level of respect players are giving umpires in my association is actually allowing us to do a better job. 
I am for the first time in five years actually enjoying umpiring again. If this was not driven by the AFL, it would never have filtered down to the community football. We need a safe environment to bring in and retain umpires for future years. That's a great email. I reckon and that's the clubhouse leader. That is the clubhouse leader right now. I've put it to one side. Um, good to see. And as I've said, I'm involved in footy at the community level, and I've noticed a difference too. So, um, and and a lot of difference from the from the sidelines too. So maybe it's filtered through to parents. Interesting feedback on this from um, Taylor Adams, who was on Fox TV on Monday night and answered questions on this. He fully supports the AFL initiative and fully supports what they're doing, even to the point of fully supporting, um, you know, the 50s for arms race. He said, from a player's perspective, it is almost impossible not to have that instinctive reaction straight after the whistle and then you sort of like you go to raise your arms and then you tuck them in again. He said what he has found, he said that is almost too hard to do but he's still supportive of what they're You know they're going to be a lot better at it next year and even better the year after too. Yeah, I tend to think I so. I think it's and if it's if it's having that benefit that Daniel tells us it is, it's already a tick for me. Yeah. It already was anyway. Yeah, good email that one. Um from Christopher Perella from Inglewood. One happy fan. Hello, gentlemen. Quick aside, Duff, you were kind enough to meet me back in the Ben Cousins days. I was a budding uni journo. You were kind with your time. Good for you, Duff. Um, anyway, I went on my own to Melbourne. I watched Griffin Logue play superbly. Please, please tell me you agree he should remain permanently forward. Lobs seemed free to roam up and we retained a forward structure. We always had one of Tab's Logue and or Log sta- Lob staying in the 50 metre zone. Oh, and Fredericks finally showed his skills. Deft touches, fierce tackling and that goal. Wow. So what I would say is that I think one of the great things Griffin Logue brings is that he can play multiple roles. If he's in defence, he can play tall or small. Uh, if he's in attack, he can do what he did on the weekend. You know that Griffin Logue, when he was running around in the waffle as an 18-year-old, used to occasionally go on the ruck and become this, like, ruckman who used to run around the ground? So, you know, if there's a, if there's a week where they get caught short for some reason because of an injury, I'll... I wouldn't be beyond exploring him in that role either. And having that guy with that massive tank who's really quick, who can who can patrol the ground, you know, in the way that, say, a, a, a much better version of what Sean Grigg was at um, at Richmond in their 2017 flag. I thought you looked really dangerous when he was down there in attack. You. I do. I really do believe, yeah. You. Yeah. <laughs> what's yeah, what's no, this? Your you? boys, Frio. I know. I, I barrack for him. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in the coach's box. No, but, you know. I wasn't You're on the wearing every every shepherd and every smother and I'll tell you who was. Did you see the footage of Nathan Fife watching the game at home? Yes. He was riding every bump and wearing every shepherd and Well you tend to. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I must say I've kicked a seat or two in front of me during a game of footy. I scared my dog under the couch a few times yeah, without bursts during games of footy. Yeah. I reckon my dog knows when Fremantle are playing now. Because you know, he gets a bit edgy before the game's even started. <laughs> I think he hears the words. Pins the ears back and just scampers under the bed, does he? He hears the words Fremantle and Dockers. And he goes, oh, no. <laughs> it's going to be one of those afternoons. Just scampers under the bed to hump his soft toy, does he, for a couple of hours while Not you're yelling at the He doesn't hump his soft toy. Our dog isn't like that. He's, he does have a very good collection of squealing pigs, though. Oh, geez. Little, little Jared Roughhead does. My little chihuahua, don't we? <laughs> Loves his soft toy. Jared Smart. G'day, Duffman and the quartermaster. With Cam Zerhar parking contract talks at Arden Street, what are your thoughts on Freo having a crack at him in the off-season? So my mail is still on Zerhar, and I said this in the story, even though we think 
from a news perspective, it was significant that he's parked contract talks because until he signed, he's always a chance to leave. Um, I tend to think he's still more likely to stay. Um, I might be in the bad books with Colin Young, by the way, because um, I mentioned that he changed managers. I think Youngy takes that sort of stuff to heart. The reality is the change of managers was more about where he was and uh, the locality of his... Um, uh, so he was looking to stay in Melbourne, and his manager is based in Melbourne. And it came around the time that Matt Tabiner, who was based in Perth, um, was looking to stay in Perth. So therefore, they almost had a swap where the Colin Young group, CSA, Corporate Sports Australia, they picked up Tabiner, um, Colin Young and Andrew McDougall, and Brett Deledio and Anthony McConville picked up Cam Zerha. But what does sometimes happen when you have a change in manager um, you get different ideas put before the players and they're prepared to explore different things that they might not have been prepared to explore before. If you're asking me to bet on where Cam Zerha will be next year, it is still at North Melbourne. I hope it is too. Yeah, me they too. can't afford to lose players. He's a very talented one as well. Well, I think we've decided, Duff, um, Daniel Till gets the carton for the week. So please send your, oh, send your details to this address. Send your mail to Duff and Quarters at wanews.com.au. Enjoy that uh, carton of Albie draft, and you deserve it too. Thanks for doing what you do. Keep up the good work. Yeah, absolutely. Well done, Daniel. And um, I'm sure that being an umpire, you'll drink responsibly. That'll be no more than three standard drinks. Do they go backwards to the fridge to get the can? They do indicate to their housemates which which path they're taking when they when they back towards the fridge to make sure that there's Can no I've got illegal t- contact. I've got to tell you a very quick story. A mate of mine was umpiring for some years, and he went on a trip to Africa with his partner, and a baboon leapt out onto the. This is a true story. Leapt out on the track in front of him, and he's crapped his pants and instinctively ran backwards. <laughs> tripping over a log <laughs> leaving his partner there to just pulled out a banana from her backpack which she had and just threw it at this thing and it scampered off <laughs> true story anyway how big's a baboon by the way i don't know i've never they're big they're big yeah, yeah. i always remember daniel baboon from kimber the white lion great great i could almost recite that theme song but i'm not going to do it oh i can mm-hmm I won't do it today. No. I'll practice it. I'll bring it in next week. Who's the only animal in Africa? There you go. Kimber the white lion is his name. That's it. Yep. <laughs> when you get Gee. in trouble and you're in a fight, who's the one who just won't turn and run? Who believes in doing good and doing right? Kimber the white lion is the of one. Of course, Shannon, our producer, no idea what we're talking <laughs> about because this is probably a 1940s cartoon. I reckon it was more 1960s, 1970s. That no, was 1970s. Was it? Mm-hmm. I was, it was certainly around when I was... Growing up. Anyway, there we go. We've, we've segued from umpiring to running backwards to Kimber the White Line, as we do, Duff. Yes, we do. All right. Thank you very much for joining us today on the Duff and Quarters podcast. We've been brought to you by TabTouch. Those with the touch, you can better your bet if you download the TabTouch app today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on 1-800-858-858 with any difficulties you encounter. We hope we have tipped you a winner. We hope your team goes well this weekend and we hope to have you with us again on Tuesday. If you're a fan of the podcast, why don't you get in touch? Send your thoughts to the Thirsty Camel mailbag at duffandquarters at wanews.com.au and don't forget to like, subscribe and, of course, tell your mates. Thanks for listening. 
This has been the Duffin Quarters podcast on the game. You know who? It's unbelievable.